Hey, is it Saturday yet? Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> A podcast presented by Student Union Sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Is It Saturday Yet? I'm Luke Owens, and we've got what I like to call a skeleton crew today. It's myself, it's Andrew Diaz, it's Liam Smith back in the producer's chair, and no hop tonight. So that could mean limited chaos. Uh, Diaz, how are you doing? You kind of flashed a smile when I said no hop. Oh, well, no, I I love having hop, but that means the episode's going to be about 15 minutes shorter, and it's going to be a little more civilized. And you know, less chaotic. Last week we, we talked about it. I don't know if it came through in uh, it with uh, listening, but um, off kind of off mic, it was a very chaotic episode. I was running around the halls of uh, of uh, one of the academic buildings here. Hop was like screaming at his cat. So it, it was truly probably the most chaotic episode in show history, but I do miss Hop, but the image of him being uh, drunk talking about Jim Leonard leaving for 35 minutes uh, it is good to not have tonight. I'll admit it. Yeah, there was a great moment where he was like, let me say one quick thing about Luke Fickle. And he talked for like 17 minutes straight. So let, we're not going to have that today. Let me give you one quick thing about Luke Fickle. All right. Yeah. Luke Fickle is about as Wisconsin of a hire that you can make. Yeah, that was that was basically the gist of what, of what I had to say last week. But we've got a good show on tap. We're going to, of course, talk about the college football playoff, which – we threw all these scenarios out there, and we finally arrived at four teams. We're also going to talk about Army-Navy, which is one of the best games of the year. Uh, we'll talk some highs and finalists, some transfer portal, and, of course, the big news this week, Deion Sanders heading to Colorado. But as I mentioned before, we will start with the college football playoff because that has been what has been talked about the most. And we finally have our field set. It's going to be Georgia at the one, taking on number four, Ohio State. It's going to be number two, Michigan against number three TCU. And I'll start with this. What is your initial take on how these four teams stacked up? I mean, I think we both agree they got the four teams in correctly. Maybe we don't agree, but what do you think about kind of how these teams ended up one through four? I think it's about as perfect as perfect can get for this year. This year has kind of been, it's been very imperfect, but if you're a college football fan, you kind of like that where there's new blood in the mix, like TCU, uh, honestly, Michigan's a new team because this is their only their second year making the playoff. Um, but, but I really, I do love it. I think this is going to be a fun playoff. And, you know, we, we laid out a big scenario last week of like TCU losing USC, losing Michigan, losing Georgia, losing kind of like what happens there. And, you know, we got uh half of that happened. USC lost to Utah and, TCU lost to Kansas State, but the one thing that we mentioned that helps Kansas State or helps TCU is that they didn't lose to K-State by, you know, two two or more scores. They went to OT, and I mean, there was a qu- couple of questionable calls at the end where not even the Max Duggan run. I mean, that that was clear, clear he was down, but um, the following play, the spot before that wasn't great. The following play looked like the running back broke the plane. They're a few plays away from, you know, finishing the season undefeated with a Big 12 championship. So I really think you got the the four best teams in the country. And a lot of Bama fans argued that. And even Nick Saban, which I found that to be a very pathetic uh, display from Saban. I loved it so much where he pretty much is <laughs> like, oh, what, put us in there. Like, you know, like, would we be underdogs? 
Well, it's like you play, you haven't played great this year. You know, you got beat by LSU and Tennessee. So it, it's, you know, I, I do like not seeing Bama in and kind of seeing Saban grovel a little bit and have to really plead his case hard to get them in. So, but, but going with the top four, I think it's perfect. I think we got it right. It was really funny seeing Nick Saban, like, during the, the Big Ten halftime, like, doing ESPN rounds. Like, you know he hates doing media, but he had to do He had to go parade Alabama around. And, like, he said it. I'm not going to knock him for saying it because it, it, he was going to have to try to hype up his team. But I've, I've seen people in the media say it, too. People that are like, oh, well, would Alabama be favored over TC? Like, that's not a good argument. Like, yeah. it's not a good argument for this. This is about resume. This is about how you play as a totality. TCU beat Kansas State earlier. They lost a close one to K-State where, you know, you mentioned maybe some questionable calls. Sonny Dykes has done a fantastic job at TCU. She'll probably be coach of the year. You wrote a great article about that, too. Check that out, Sudian Sports. I didn't love the calls down at the goal line. I, I, I would have liked the ball maybe in Duggan's hand after it kind of was apparent they weren't going to run the ball that well. I know Miller is a great back, but he's not really the, the get-one-yard kind of guy in that situation. I would have liked to see Duggan with the ball in his hands a decision to make. Am I running this in? Am I throwing it? So I, I think that was more what happened at the end of that game. But the fact they kept it close, they went to overtime. They had another great comeback is what solidified them. And I'm just happy the committee kept them at three despite losing, because to me, Ohio state shouldn't jump them for not playing. I mean, they both have one loss and TCU made the championship game. So I'm very happy that TCU stayed at three. Yeah. And if you look at the, the kind of like their, the one, the, their two, one losses, I mean, one was an overtime for TCU. The other was a 20-point throttling by Michigan. Yeah. And K-State's a top-10 team, no, no matter what how you look at it. They've had a great season, and I, I do have to agree with you there. Duggan, you know, goes full vanilla Vic, runs the ball about 90 yards on their final drive. How do you not have the ball in his what? hand to go QB sneak or even, you know, you go gun, you run a little read option with him? Them condensing it, their offense has not been condensed at all this year. You, you can't do that. You can't go with a safe play call by going, you know, just dive with Miller. It, it, I did not love the play calling at the end of the game. Um, and I think the guy that, you know, almost passed out from exhaustion should be the guy that the, the, who's got the ball in his hands to end the game. That That's just how it should be. So I didn't love that. That was a real heartbreaking moment to uh, not see Duggan you know, have the ball in his hands to end the game. It felt to me like when I watched Josh Allen play where it's like he, he has all these crazy runs and it's like you got to just let him finish the drive again. And, and I know that wasn't the same drive. He obviously did finish the right. drive in regulation, but like he was playing so out of his mind at that point. I mean, I would have even preferred maybe getting trying to, trying to get Johnson out in, or Johnson out in space to get mm. a touchdown there. But I think USC getting blown out the way they did, that was a tough look. And, you know, Caleb Williams gets injured. But the fact that they lose to Utah twice and the second time being even uglier, I mean, maybe if they play like TCU did, there's a chance they slide in. But we've never seen a two-loss team in the four-team playoffs. So their, their chances seem slim to none. And I, I just think the way they lost, I, I, I would have liked to get them in just because they did make the championship game. But the way they lost to me was like, all right, it's, it's over. They're going to let Ohio State in. Like, as much as we knock Ohio State for how they lost to Michigan, they've looked pretty impressive outside of that. So I, I that was a tough kind of nail in the coffin. Not to not to be confused with the painted nails of Caleb Williams, but that was that was a tough one. Yeah, it, it's um, and, and like you said, the two loss USC. Even last week, we weren't arguing that two loss USC would get in, even if it was a close game. You know, a couple of weeks ago, the only two loss team that we were arguing that could really get in 
was LSU. And that was before they went and lost to Texas A&M because they had secured a spot in the SEC championship. If they win the SEC championship, then, you know, they, they should probably be in. So we, the, the two loss team kind of thing kind of came out of the picture going into championship weekend, uh, unless all hell broke loose and Bama or Tennessee kind of slid in. But yeah, overall, I think the top four looked pretty solid. I, I was down on Georgia um, after rivalry weekend. I thought Georgia Tech gave them a pretty good scare the week before. Kentucky played them really tough. And then it, it was something we brought up last week where I, I said about them playing down to opponents. I think when the lights are the brightest, Georgia plays the absolute best football that they can. And we really saw that against LSU. And kind of goes the same for Michigan. Purdue gave them a little bit of a scare, but they pulled away late without their best player. And they're going to have to go this whole playoff run now without their best player and probably one of the best players in the nation without Blake Corum. So I am really excited for that TCU-Michigan matchup, though. I think that'll be a fun one. Um, but it's rare that you get the one versus four which is probably going to be the the even better matchup with Ohio State and Georgia. Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. I mean, I think – I mean, Purdue is kind of a similar-ish team to TCU, and I'm not going to say they hung around, but, I mean, early on it was a bit of a scare, and I think TCU is more talented than Purdue. So I could see them giving Michigan a game. I mean, we're going to obviously break this down fully in a few weeks, but just looking at it on paper to start, I think – to be completely honest, and I don't want to tip my hand, I think – I think Georgia is going to give Ohio State uh, a handful and a half. Like you said, when the brights are the lightest, they've been playing really well. But, I mean, Ohio State getting probably a touchdown is, is also enticing. But I think TCU could hang around with Michigan. I don't know if they can beat them. But Michigan's a team that, you know, they, sometimes they let teams hang around. Like, they're a great second-half team. That's been the story. But TCU has also been a great second-half team. So that kind of matchup, to me, is, is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, if TCU gets on them a little early – kind of breaks out of their way of starting games slow. Michigan's going to be in a lot of trouble because, you know, Maryland hung around with uh, with Michigan this year. Illinois hung around with them. So there's been teams that have that are less talented than TCU that have hung around with Michigan for the entirety of the game. And TCU also is one of the best offenses in the nation. They've got a, a probably the best three-headed monster of any team with Duggan, Miller, and Johnston. So I, I – think this game is going to be very fun. And like you said, we'll, we'll, we'll get around to breaking it down once we get real close to that game, but it's going to be an awesome matchup and we could see TCU in the national championship, which is so fun to think about and uh, talk about new blood getting into the playoffs. It would be new blood in the national championship. So I, I would be super pumped for that, but it is scary to think that they'd have to probably play Georgia. Um, who has been, you know, lights out yeah. in, in the biggest games. I mean, when they played Tennessee, they showed up and abused Hendon Hooker, and they really beat up on LSU and outcoached Brian Kelly at LSU. So it, it, it's uh, a scary thought, but I, I'm really excited for these uh, this, these playoff games. Yeah, Hypnotoad in the playoff is going to be electric. I mean, look, last time we had a purple team in the playoff, didn't go so well for Washington but I, I, I do love getting new colors in there like red has been a theme with Bama Georgia Ohio State but you know blue Michigan's made its way in and now we have some purple so I love I love to get the new colors in there um we'll transition though let's talk some Army Navy Army Navy one of the best games of the year just from the standpoint of you know a standalone game everyone's watching it's it's a great a, a game filled with tradition of course between Army and Navy and from, from a gambling standpoint, Navy is a two and a half point favorite. The over under is 32 and a half. Always fun. It's like 
it's a number I look at and I'm like, do I, do I root for the, do I give myself the personal challenge of taking the over or do I do the patriotic thing in this case and take the under? It's, it's always a fun battle when you look at such a low total for this game. Yeah. I mean, last year's game, 17, 13, it was a close one. Every, there have been rare blowouts in this game the past decade. Um, so the under feels right, but you never know if like both of these teams just open it up like on the ground and really just run all over each other and run the points up. So it is scary, but the under feels very enticing. Um, but it, it, it's such a great game. It is so awesome. I, I was able to go to it in 2018 uh, when it was in Philly and it, it's filled with so much tradition where, you know, you have the, the midshipmen and the cadets all march on, they march off. Trump did the coin toss, which was pretty electric. Uh, and, and then you've got about nine different flyovers from, you know, you've got fighter jets, uh, Black Hawk helicopters. They parachute the ball in. There's no better game, I think, um, that, that really, you know, encapsulates what college football is all about than Army-Navy, where everybody just comes together. You, you really don't root for anybody in the game. You just root for a fun game. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just super excited. And every year I get pretty jacked up for it. And it's nice that it has its own weekend every year where there's not much else going on. You've just got army Navy at three o'clock every, every year. I'm a little nervous about, I think army dominated the, the uniforms this year. I think they dominated the uniform mm. matchup. Really? I, I love NASA is NASA sucks. Like who likes NASA? Uh, so I don't love um, the NASA. Like, I don't love NASA, but the uniforms are pretty sick. Uh, the, the helmets are badass. You've got an awesome all-white jersey with the red stripes coming down the shoulders and the NASA patch on the side. Don't get me wrong. There, there have been few to no misses, in the, like I said, in the past, you know, since 2000 in the, the uniform combination. Oh, yeah. Armies are great. But these navy ones are so sweet. the the all The all white is such a clean look. Last time navy did all white unis, they were very clean. So I I I love the the navy ones, but the army ones are cool. Uh, it's that like dust col- that like sandy dust color uh, going into like the army green to look like a tank is pretty is pretty cool too. But I I really love the the navy ones. I think the reason why I get nervous with the navy ones is like this is a game that's in the trenches and like, I, I love the army. Like we're going to go f- like fight in the desert versus mm. like Navy's just like chilling in space, you know, like no offense to the astronauts, but they're not, you know, they're not running operations in the desert. Like these army jerseys. That that's my worry. Like, I think the cool, I think the helmets are dope. Like I'm not, I'm not going to take that away, but going full NASA does worry me just because army, like I said, is like they're ready to go like full on operation desert storm. Spins yeah, it's not an option-friendly jersey. Sorry, Diaz, had to cut yeah, in there. But not, not an option-friendly jersey to uh, rock that white. Spin zone, maybe Navy's foreshadowing that they're going to open it up. They're going to line up triple option, motion, pretty much shift the whole formation, go empty, and throw the ball all game. Air it out, throw, throw some, uh, some deep rockets, some moon shots. Who knows? This could be them foreshadowing they're going to throw the ball 50 60 times this game that would be a real shocker i was actually looking earlier so army has attempted 92 passes this year 
uh, and Navy has attempted 122. So 20 more passes attempted, or that's bad math, 30 more passes attempted by <laughs> Navy compared to Army. So you, you could be right. This could be an aired out game. When, when I went to the Army-UConn game this year, in the first half, Army, Army attempted one pass. It was on about third and 12. They threw a corner route to their tight end. The UConn DB tackled the Army tight end, got a PI call. Going into the half, UConn had about 120 passing yards. Army had zero, and they were still up by about 10 points. So, so I, I don't want to see the ball get thrown this game, but it is always interesting when a, a service academy team or a team that runs the triple does have to throw the ball at some point when they're far behind the sticks or they're down by a score late. It is always very interesting because you get to see some of the sloppiest and most entertaining football where it, it just looks really bad but can be really fun because the defense is just flying around. So maybe we see a little bit of that, but these games have been so close over the years that I don't think it, it will come to that. But you, you never know with this game. It, it always – anything can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah, the Army starting quarterback, Tyhear Tyler, which is, by the way, an all-time name. Mm -hmm. uh, last game against UMass was two for two for 67 yards, which yeah. is a 99.2 QBR and a 381.4 rating. So that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good numbers right there. Um, yeah. Some other some other numbers. I, I, I did some numbers dive. Uh, this is, you know, from the game. Obviously, these teams are very similar. The one advantage Navy does have is the rush defense. 86 yards per game allowed to Army's 194 yards per game. Obviously, rush defense is very important. Uh, Army averages 29 points per game, though, to Navy's 22. Navy owns the all-time series, 60, 49, and 7 they are. Uh, Navy is 4 and 7 on the year. Army's 5 and 6. However, Army is not bowl eligible because they won two FCS games. So that kind of sucks. I saw the game, and I was like, oh, man, Army's playing for bowl eligibility. I looked it up. Because they all, they beat Villanova and Colgate, I guess the bowl games weren't willing to wait to see how this game went. So this is a game purely for pride. Yeah, and I do love that. It is a bummer that they're not going to make it because I thought it was going to come down to this game when I was looking at the schedule. After they beat UConn, they moved to four and six. Kind of knew they were going to beat UMass and move to five and six. I really thought this game was going to have more, more on the line with them having to play for bowl eligibility, but it is cool when, you know, neither team is playing for anything other than, you know, just straight up pride. And when you look at the numbers, strength of schedule wise too, I didn't know if there would be a big separation. Army is 76th in strength of schedule, Navy 78th. So there opponents wise, there hasn't been a big discrepancy between the two. So I didn't know if that would come into play. It doesn't look like it's going to. Um, so I, I'm, this game feels like it's going to be about as even as it gets. Uh, all the guys out there are just playing for one thing, and it's to sing last. That's right. Yeah, this, that's a great tradition too. The awesome. the singing of both uh, both songs on on each end. And the the last fact I have. So this game has been going on since 1890, and the longest interruption between the games because they haven't played every single year since then. The longest interruption was from 1894 to 1898. And the reason why they didn't play for those four years was because there was an argument between an Army general and the Navy admiral that almost resulted in a duel following the 1893 game. So there, there's some bad blood in, in this rivalry. It would be great if, like, the game – if the game regulation ends with a tie, they just pick, like, a player from each side and have them duel at the 50 – 
each of them take 10 steps back and they either use like swords and kind of like fence to the death or they do like an old, you know, a classic like Western uh, like 310 to Yuma type duel where they pull their uh, pull the pistols and and shoot. I mean, it would be pretty graphic. But whoa, what is this? What is this? Play his music. Play his music. The great <laughs> Bryce Hopwood has checked in. Bryce, we're, we're talking some Army Navy right now, but you know, you're know you you're in beautiful Florida right now. How's it going, my man? Look, Disney's great. I can't complain. Uh, like you said, Diaz just plays music. He's back. Was down for the count a little early today, but we're back. We're here just outside of Orlando, and we're going to grab some food. So I said, hey, should probably check in. Make sure everything's looking good, feeling fine. You know, you guys looking great as always. Love Army Navy. Gotta love the under this week. I'm way behind after going two and one in the standings. I told you guys this week that maybe I should just keep this ring for myself. Um, but I'm not. I'm a man of integrity. Two and one last week, though. Haters are sick right now. This is the best Wi-Fi hop has ever had. In uh, in in podcast history, which is maybe we should just have him walk around like uh, downtown Wisconsin uh, every time we record on Wednesday nights. No, yeah, downtown Wisconsin. That's where I should be to get the best Wi-Fi. Did you buy that outfit in Florida? Uh, no, I did not. This is this is what I owned myself. Uh, it's Fat Boy Summer. Shout out, shout out to. Uh, the guys at Hard Factor, they're my favorite. Hop, do you have any other takes to get in? We, we've got to talk. Uh, obviously, we already talked about the four teams that are in. We also are going to talk some Heisman, some Transfer Portal, some Deion Sanders. Any any other takes you want to get off your chest? Some Jim Leonard. I, I You know, hey, that stuff happens. Uh, Badgers hired, uh, what is it? What's his last name? Is it Lingo? I believe From so. From UNC? Yes, uh, Longo. 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 Yeah, Longo. We're going to be throwing the ball Longo down the field. I'm very excited for this. Look, Luke, you mentioned it. If I'm going to get a takeoff or two here in the in the time I have, I got to go with the Dion stuff. Um, I think it's pretty, pretty assumptive. I think everybody, once we saw the results of uh, U.S. black kind of stuff, um, kind of what the playoff was going to be. I know there was some late Alabama talk, but I think we all knew. Uh, in our heart of hearts, where it went. Um, I'm excited, though. This is going to be a great playoff. I mean, USC, uh, or sorry, Ohio State, against Georgia. Um, a lot of potential there. Uh, it, this is going to be a great playoff to sit down and watch. I think Michigan rules the Frogs. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's just going to be a repeat of the Big Ten championship game. Michigan probably going to absolutely roll. Um, Luke, like I said, though, uh, to focus on the one take I do have, I got a problem with Dion. I got a problem with prime time right now. Um, if I get my two to three minutes time to shine here, uh, my biggest issue is what he said to these kids at Colorado. Um, almost, what, 48 hours after he says to the kids at Colorado, basically, pack your bags, what, minor Louie? I got a real problem with that. Um, this is 48 hours or so after he talked to the Jackson State guys to not overreact and to not just hop in the portal because 
the portals where some careers go to die. And then to turn around and say that to these kids at Colorado is, I mean, one of the quickest hypocritical turnarounds I've ever heard in my entire life. Just absolutely ridiculous um, from Dion in that regard. Uh, really disheartening to hear after the way that it sounds like he's turned um, Jackson State around and the program that he's built it up to be and the you know reputation he's now gotten as a coach. I know there's a lot of takes out there about how good he is a coach, whatever. I really don't care about that. If he can hire well and do things, I don't really care. It sounds like we're partying down here at the pool uh, with the TV. But, um, yeah, no, I got a real problem with everything he said to those Colorado kids. Um, look, I hope some of them stay. Some of them start and prove them wrong. But to just hypocritically go around like that um, – and talk totally differently to Colorado kids uh, than he did the Jackson State kids. Just really, um, really urged me. I saw a stat that about only 40% of players find new homes that enter the portal, and that's now been over the last three years or so. So, look, man, I mean, that's my real take on the scenario. Um, I'm going to grab a little cheesesteak or two here, down here in the, in the party area. Um, but yeah, that's my biggest take this week. I'm excited to get back to you guys. I appreciate you, as always, carrying on the show. I can't wait to listen and hear what, what digs I get. But hey, that's what it is, and I love you guys. So. All right, there he is, Big uh, Hoppa, with us, going through the tour. A lot of things going on in, in the most magical place on earth down in Florida. <laughs> Absolutely, baby. Look. Just because we're, just because we're, you know, a thousand miles away from home doesn't take stop. That is true. That is true. I'm, I'm muting hot for a sec here at least because the, the, the music was coming through. I don't want to kill Liam when it comes to the editing, but I, I don't want to say this often, but that was, that was a good take from Hop. That was, that was a solid take. Like when I look at the Dion situation, I'm not going to fault him for leaving Jackson State. Like, Bomani Jones is saying, like, he's betrayed, you know, Jackson State and, and building up these historically black colleges. I disagree. I th- think he did a lot for, for HBCUs in, in the two years that he was at Jackson State. And a lot of what got them to where they were was through his own personal money. Uh, like, he, he really put his, his time and effort in there. So I'm not going to knock him for that. But I do agree the way that he kind of handled Jackson State and then in turn Colorado was, was a little bit odd. I, I will say that. So when it, I, I agree he's a hypocrite when it comes to, you know, telling the Jackson State players not to hop in the portal um, and then, you know, telling the Colorado players kind of to do it. But this was a team that was 1-11 last year. So there needs to kind of be a kick in the ass to these players. And I don't think he was saying it as like, a, you guys should leave, you're not going to play. It was more of a, if you stay, you will get better, but you have to want to compete for a spot. Um, and if you don't want to do that, I have guys lining up to to, you know, come play for me here, especially now that they're at, he's at a power five level. I mean, he got the number one recruit in the nation to go to a, a historically black college, which is something we've never seen before. So now that he's at a power five and it's a school, it's probably going to give him a lot more funding. I mean, you, you mentioned it. He was using a lot of his own money at Jackson State, where all the fancy meals that we saw them eating were coming out of his pocket. He built a whole new tennis court area at Jackson State, new locker room, put a lot of money into that. And it, there was a, a reported deal that once ticket sales hit $30,000 uh, at Jackson State, he would see a percentage of that. 
That money never came in for him, along with Jackson State was reported to have a TV deal in the uh, in the mix. Um, Dion wanted it. The school president did not. So there was a lot working against him, I, I think, in that, those final months at Jackson State. So for him to leave, I don't blame him. But it, it is hypocritical uh, what he said about the portal. But when you look at that Colorado team, they were so bad this year. They really need a kick in the ass. And the one thing I really did not like from his whole uh, press conference and speech was naming his son, you know, starting QB uh, right off the rip. That was the one thing that did not you guys got to well. earn it, but my son doesn't have to earn it. <laughs> exactly. That did not sit well with me uh, purely off the fact that you've got, you just told kids pretty much the message was if you want to stay, you could be a great player and want to compete, but my son is the starter. So the whole quarterback room, you guys should probably look uh, for other homes and hop in the portal. So that, that was my main issue. I didn't have a huge issue with his speech that he gave to the team right away uh, when he got in there. Um, another weird thing, though, was he he said made a whole, uh, you know, slate of rules for meetings. Um, how, you know, you can't wear a hat in there, but he's also got a whole camera crew uh, in, in the meetings. So that was <laughs> like you're, you're putting <laughs> certain um, stipulations on your team, but you're also going to have nine cameras pointed pointed in their face like it's hard knocks and they're an NFL team that's another issue I did have did you see the kid uh in the back when he said that he's like we don't wear hats to meetings and the kid just takes his hat off and like slowly (laughs) sinks down (laughs) see it's like the teacher like making like the broad comment but you realize you're the one that was doing it I swear he was just looking at kids outfits and being like we don't wear unzipped hoodies we don't wear hats (laughs) calling out individuals but yeah, it, it's a great hire overall. Um, and, and especially, you know, I think it was, he said that he's already gotten like a hundred kids have reached out to, to play at Colorado. So, I mean, they're going to be loaded, especially with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12, but what, that wasn't something I had considered right when he got hired. So now competition wise, they're he's really Oregon and Washington and Utah. But I, I think we could see in the future, when Colorado's loaded, I think we could see a Utah beatdown of them where it's just these tough three-star Mormon and Samoan kids that are just pissed off playing a bunch against a bunch of four-stars. They go out there and win by, like, 20. That That is something I'm looking forward to in the future because it's bound to happen. Um, and not, not I don't expect it to be, like, a big thing the, the next two years, but when Dion's there, like, year three or four and he's an established program of elite athletes – I think we could see one of those pure beatdowns that really leaves your jaw on the floor. I'll ask you guys this. Do you guys think Deion Sanders is in Colorado over under three years? Unless the Florida State job opens up, over. Okay. Because I know we talked about, you know, last week, and and Hop, I'll let you jump in here too if you want in a sec. Um, I know we talked about in the last couple of weeks, we were like, why would you – like? we don't think he'll leave unless it's for like a big job or like an sec or even like a South Florida type thing where it's like, at least he's kind of staying in his recruiting base where he's been in the South. I mean, Colorado is a whole new ball game and I know he can bring players in, but you know, for how long does he want to have to pitch Colorado? You know, it's a lot easier to pitch an sec school or uh, a team in Florida or something like that. So I, I, I think I'm going to take under three because either something opens up for him or this goes disastrously because, I mean, he's coached very well at Jackson State, don't get me wrong, but to, to have him in, at this level I think is going to be very, very, very interesting because he can bring guys, but 
can he coach them up to compete with, you know, teams in the, in the power five, that's going to be the big question. I think what Diaz said um, is going to be key uh, kind of basically about Florida state, the area where Dion could potentially see success is that Denver, Denver and Colorado generally is an area that a lot of people are moving to. There's some more affluence growing there. But prior had been an area similar to where he was at Jackson State in the South, where um, they're seeing uh, some poverty and he's trying to bring, you know, something good to the area. And that's a lot of what Dion is about. It's, you know, you can basically check any interview of the last couple of years. And, and that's one of Dion's, uh, you know, main sentiments. And I think he can do that in Colorado, like you said, how, it, how he does it, you know, whether it's a bunch of this house and Mormons, Mormons, well, that's a different story, but um, I think bringing the talent he needs there won't be an issue. Everybody wants to play under prime time and, you know, you know, kids are kids, Colorado, a little bit more lenient uh, in some areas, uh, you know, politically speaking, if you catch my drift um, than it is in the South, you know, maybe some guys might find that attractive um, that, you know, might have issues in other states, might not have issues in Colorado, could be uh, something that, you know, helps out with, you know, staying, staying ready to go. If, if you catch so you think it. Dion is going to bribe recruits with weed? No, not what I'm saying, <laughs> but I'm saying. Liam's where... ears perked up. <laughs> I'm not saying the consp- not the worst conspiracy I've ever heard thrown out. I, I'm just saying, you know, kids, you know, where it would be taken a lot more seriously in the South, not so much in the North is all I'm saying. No, um, I know. I, I'm just messing with you. I, I just, I, I wanted to let you tiptoe around it just so I could blatantly say, but I, I do want to uh, talk about some other coaches since we're on the subject right now. Uh, Scott Satterfield is going to Cincinnati, uh, and in turn, Jeff Brom is heading to Louisville. Kind of felt like a matter of time for Brom. Obviously, he's he's wanted to go there for a while. It's his alma mater. Uh, that that XFL clip of him was circulating today, which is an awesome clip where they're like, he got like a concussion like six days before, and they're like, "Why are you playing?" Like it's it's. I was like, man, I didn't know he he had that dog in him like that. Um, so I, I think both these. I mean. Louisville hated Satterfield. They're they're thrilled that he's leaving. I mean, what he came in and was like, oh yeah, like the airport's pretty cool. Like no one liked him there. I think this is the, a great hire for Louisville. I don't know what Purdue's gonna do. And I know this feels like ah, it's like Purdue to Louisville, but being the alma mater, it felt like kind of a, a move that was bound to happen. I, I think... how come I want to know? Sorry, Diaz. I don't mean to cut you off, but Hop's got to get his word count in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm confused why the like alma mater or the hometown school is always the move like why these guys were i would argue purdue is a much better job at the moment than Louisville. like i don't get why i don't get why guys are needed like purdue could definitely have offered as much if not more money i i think at some point maybe coaching somewhere it's a little stale and if you know the place that you played college football at opens up you, and you had a great experience there you want to coach there. I mean, we've seen it Scott Frost was like that. That was a huge deal when he went to Nebraska. Granted, it didn't work out, but coach, and you know, we just mentioned if the Florida State job opens up, Dion will jump ship from Boulder 
and, and had right there to coach at the place that he dominated. So I think there's a big allure, you know, coaching and kind of giving back to the program that got you to the pros or got you to where you're at. Um, and But I do I, – I think the, the Louisville job's a step down, especially with how much the Big Ten is on the rise – where it's really rivaling the SEC as a conference for football. And, you know, the SEC and Big Ten are kind of squeezing out every other conference in college football right now. It's, you know, a real – they're way higher. You know, Purdue just played in the Big Ten championship. So I, I like that he went to his alma mater, but I don't love the move because it feels like a bit of a a step down uh, for Brom. But, you know, you never know. It's – you know, going back to your alma mater could be a stronger pull for him than, you know, possibly playing in the Big Ten Championship every year. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Louisville, there's a little bit, I don't know, It's it, I think Purdue's probably a better job, but, like, is Purdue ever going to really, truly compete in the Big Ten? Like, I don't know how much longer divisions are going to be a thing. Like, they're not going to be able to recruit with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Mich- Michigan State even when UCLA and USC come. Like, maybe he's like, look, the ACC – kind of Clemson and everybody else you know Florida State's kind of maybe back on the rise but I don't know I, I don't think it's the worst move in the world I think it made a lot of sense um and I, I don't know like the comfort comfortability factor I think is a thing too like I saw his brother is going to be the interim head coach for Purdue during the uh, bowl game which is pretty interesting um and then of course since he is playing Louisville in the bowl game which is also or no yeah since he's playing yeah. Louisville which was more of a Scott Satterfield thing but what do you guys think about Satterfield going to Cincy? I, I'm not a huge Satterfield guy. I just based on how Louisville has reacted to him, he was kind of on the hot seat coming into this year, and he they turned around. They started off really slow. They turned it around, but I don't know. I feel like that's a, a massive. I mean, you're going to downgrade obviously from Fickle, but this feels like a a pretty big downgrade. It, it's such a, a vanilla hire, a very boring hire, and not a not a good one. There are a lot of guys that you know are still looking for jobs. Um, and, you know, you could have really enticed to come, you know, come be a head coach at Cincinnati, a program that's been very good. And you landed on Scott Satterfield, um, which is, you know, he like you brought it before. He was very un- unlikable at Louisville. And now you're bringing him to Cincy, a program that they had a good year after losing so much talent in the draft with Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter, Alec Pierce, Kobe Bryant. So the, the, the fall of Cincinnati is starting now with the, the hiring of, uh, of Scott Satterfield. So it, it's, I don't love the hire at all. It feels, like I said, very boring. And there were, there were guys that you could have, you know, went out and hired. I think, like, you could have made a real hard move at a guy like Gary Patterson to come be your head coach, bring him, take him off the Texas staff. Jim Leonard would have been a good hire. Um, I, I don't know. There were just other names that I would have went after other than Satterfield. And it felt like, felt like they hired him very quickly. Um, so I, I don't love it. But with the Fenway Bowl, the biggest thing, will they just have, you know, will, will Satterfield be in like the, the Boger McFarland seat like they used to have on ESPN and have him sit? He said he's not showing both, up. Between both sidelines? Like, well, it, oh, I don't like him not showing up. He should be there. Well, you know, there's only one sideline for this game. Did you right. know that? Yeah. So, yeah, that's all time awkward. I know they should make him show up and like fight for his. I mean, Louis, like Louisville would fight to to beat him, his new team more. And I think Cincinnati maybe rallies a little bit for their new coach. So that would have been a, that would have been a cool dynamic. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Very vanilla hire for 
Louisville. Um, let's move on. Let's talk some Heisman. Uh, we kind of can go through this quickly because it seems like Caleb Williams is going to win. He's, my, he's minus 2,500, so I have a feeling he's going to be the Heisman. But we've got Stetson Bennett, Caleb Williams, Max Duggan, C.J. Stroud. There's one guy on this list I've got a pretty major problem with, and his name is Stetson Bennett, the oh, yeah. the frat boy uh, name of the year, Stetson Bennett the fourth or whatever he is. Um, I I don't get it. I understand he's the quarterback of the best team in the country, but they're a team that doesn't rely on him heavily to win games, whereas Max Duggan, love him or hate him, hop, he carried TCU this year, and I think C.J. Stroud had – a a great year, maybe a little bit lesser than we thought, but I mean, 37 touchdowns, six picks. You're not arguing against that. Uh, Caleb Williams, obviously incredible, came on very strong at the end. He'll probably win the thing, but I would have rather had Penix there. I would have rather had Drake May there. I think even if you go the hop route and take one of the, you know, lower level FBS guys, maybe. I also think the fact this has become a quarterback award is kind of disappointing as well. I think if Blake Quorum doesn't get hurt, he should probably be in New York, maybe regardless, but I, I just – I don't know what Stetson Bennett did to deserve being here other than he's riding along on the best team in the country. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Luke Collins. Man, I mean, this is this is crazy. This is a show where I agree with everything you have said about Satterfield. I'm agreeing about the Heisman. I mean, it's just embarrassing what this award is doing. First of all, when are we – since when have we brought four guys to the ceremony? I thought it was only three. First of all, that's my first issue. I think it's always been four. No, it's always been three. I thought, and like the year was like Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf, and Woodson. That was like '98. There were four guys. Last you just said Charles Woodson twice. Oh, Woodson, Leaf, Manning, and Moss. Woodson, Leaf, Manning, and Moss. Oh, I'm almost positive it's usually three. Regardless, not the point. Look, Stetson Bennett doesn't should not be there. There's probably four SEC quarterbacks you could say had a better year before him. I take right from Vandy before Stetson Bennett. I mean, just an insane look. I mean, I, I like numbers. Blake Corum, Hendon Hooker, a lot of guys. Um, if we're taking four guys, we may as well take ten. And uh, two, like Hendon and uh, Corum definitely deserve to be there. There's a couple other. I mean, even Chase Brown. If Stetson Bennett is going, Chase Brown should definitely be going. This is just turned into a quarterback award, like you said, Owens. Really sucks to see. Um Bennett just not deserving at all to be there. The, the equivalent to this would be like if Trent Dilfer won MVP the year that the Ravens had the sickest defense in 2000. Because like Bennett's – And then they got the job at UAB. Yeah, like, oh, terrible. But, <laughs> but ben, it's really disgusting that Bennett is a Heisman finalist because there there's about 10 guys you could take over him, and it's – even worse that Blake Corum isn't a finalist. You know, I understand he's injured. He was injured the past two games and, you know, won't be finishing the season, but he's been hands down, maybe the best offensive player in the nation this whole season and kind of is the reason that Michigan is where they're at right now with such a great run attack. Um, so I, I really hate that Corum isn't going to be one of the finalists and, with it becoming a running back heavy award or a quarterback heavy award, it is even worse because now it's just whatever guy throws for the most yards and most touchdowns um, and has like the best game against the ranked opponent is going to be, you know, your Heisman winner and your three other finalists. So I, I don't love this. 
at all. I, I think Corum should be there. I would put Drake May, Chase Brown. Um, trying to think. There's a couple other guys, but I just Stetson Bennett is honestly like the odd man out. It, it's the meme where there's the 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 army guys lined up going into a building, and there's just a clown like right in the middle, just one guy sticking out like a sore thumb. So Bennett, there there's no need to have Bennett there. Yeah, and to I throw some more. The, oh, sorry, I posted no, the meme of the three dragons, the two that are looking really mean with uh, CJ Stroud and Caleb Williams, and then the third was the the one with the, like goofy looking face <laughs> with Stetson Bennett. Yeah, and to kind of back it about up, Max Duggan, you forgot about. Heisman finalist Max Duggan of TCU. Pop. Oh yeah, those those huge ranked wins over six and six. Pop, Oklahoma. It's really embarrassing that you're just gonna take Michigan, and if Michigan blows out TCU, you're gonna victory lap, and it's gonna be so it's gonna be embarrassing for you because you said they were gonna lose in like week six, and they made the playoffs. So what if a, you victory lap Michigan beating TCU, I'm I'm gonna lose some respect for you. What a weird I mean, hill I, to on. What a weird hill to just like. You know, plant your flag and get steamrolled on since like week five. Look, man, or to okay, to equate it to another meme, it's the guy on the podium popping the champagne who's in like seventh <laughs> place. That's exactly what I have to do. They're gonna get steamrolled. Donovan Edwards' rushing total hit in the Big Ten championship game. Gonna Some cash again. On, I'm gonna take it. <laughs> a number that no one knows to this day. <laughs> I'm going to take it over. I might take an alternate line over 200 yards if they allow me to bet it. They heard I was on it. Vegas was pissed that I was on it. So, you know, whatever. But, yeah, you know, it is a horrible hill to die on. Pretty ugly look for me. But, look, Diaz was right. I was wrong. And that's how I'm going to leave you guys today. So, appreciate you guys like always. There he was, Big Hop. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you enjoy your vacation. Enjoy Florida. Um, but yeah, I won't go on too much, but I will say just some numbers to back up what I was saying about quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have won five of the last six Heismans 18 times since 2000. And the one time, of course, in the last six years was Devontae Smith, who people thought maybe he didn't even deserve it. I mean, I'm glad a non-quarterback got it, but it feels like this is now just a, a quarterback award, which is kind of unfortunate with just the way that, you know, things have gone. Like Blake Corum's made a huge impact on Michigan. Um, I, you know, you could argue Chase Brown should be there. Uh, you know, Dwayne McBride for UAB had an incredible season, 19 touchdowns, 1,700 yards. But this has really become a, a quarterback award, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah, and they, they tried to break it up a little bit by having, you know, Hutchinson there last year. Yeah. I thought we could see another def- – If I thought you could have even nominated a guy like Will Anderson who just had yeah. another sick season. So, like, I would have had him there over Stetson Bennett because he – really added more to Alabama than Stetson Bennett added to Georgia. I think that should be something that's also taken in, into consideration is how much do you mean to your team? I mean, you could have put any other SEC QB on that Georgia team and Georgia still would probably be undefeated. You put any other edge rusher in the nation uh, in place of Will Anderson, and he doesn't come close to double digit sacks in the SEC. And that goes the same for, you know, any other running back, maybe excluding like Bijan Robinson and Chase Brown at Michigan. And, you know, it, it's not the same result. So uh, I, I just think that Bennett being there is really uh, a disgrace and, and kind of discredits the, the Heisman committee. And the last thing we've got to talk about today is the transfer portal before we make our official Army Navy picks, Hop had the under, but me, Diaz, we'll give our picks. Liam might drop a take or two. Um, but 
the transfer portal has gone crazy. Uh, as expected, you know, several names at the portal. And I just wrote down a bunch of quarterbacks. And if I miss any, fill me in. But we've got Spencer Sanders of mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. We've got Hudson Card. We've got DJU. We've got Devin Leary, Jeff Sims, Graham Mertz, Keaton Slovis, Austin Reed, Luke Altmeyer, who is the Ole Miss backup quarterback, Phil Dracovic, who is actually already committed to Pitt, and also JT Daniels has hit the portal for the 88 millionth time. I, I might have missed some names in there, but it feels like Half the ACC has transferred. Uh, a lot of other guys have, have gone as well. And this is – people were saying it was going to get hectic, and it got hectic real fast. Did you mention Drew Pine? I don't, I don't know if you – No, mean. oh, good call. Drew Pine also mm-hmm. on there. So it, it's I weird. Googled it, and, like, I found the best list I could, but, like, I'm like, there's still dudes missing. It's crazy. It, it's crazy. I, I believe as of yesterday, and the number's only grown bigger as of, you know, when we're recording this, it was there was thirteen thousand, uh, roughly FBS football players. A thousand players at that point had jumped into the portal, which is a ridiculous amount. And you know, I think a lot of people have like a, almost like an old man yelling at the cl- yelling at cloud kind of take where they hate the portal. I don't hate it for certain um, certain uh, circumstances, but I do hate at this point. Um, where everybody's jumping ship because I don't know if it's now you're unhappy in your situation with playing time. I think Pine is legitimately leaving because he wasn't even the starter at the start of the year. It was Tyler Buckner and Buckner is going to be back healthy next year. Pine would probably lose that job. That's a different scenario than some of the guys that are jumping in the portal where it feels maybe like the hip thing to do. So I, I, I think there should be now with you kind of opening the floodgates maybe rein it back in a little bit and kind of put I, – I don't mind the one-year sanction on guys transferring unless they're a full grad transfer where it's like, hey, you have to sit out one full season after you transfer because if not, then it's going to be – we're going to see 2,000 players transfer next year, and it, that number could continue to grow year after year after year, and then it's like a way bigger version of uh, free agency where NIL is just paying kids – a boatload of money to go play at a different school just about every year. The one thing I disagree with though, is I don't think they can go back to the one year because I think where we're at right now is better because of a Deion Sanders situation, right? Mm -hmm. Like if guys at Colorado want to transfer, I don't think they should be forced to wait a year when the coach that they went to play for is now gone or you know, guys that were playing at certain schools where coaches leave, like to me, they shouldn't have to honor anything when their coach didn't honor his contract, you know, things like that. So I agree. We could definitely put some, some more guidelines on like, like JT Daniels shouldn't just be allowed to switch schools every year. Like that, like to me, that's crazy. But like, if you're a kid that's playing for a school that, you know, like, uh, like Jeff Sims at Georgia tech, Mm -hmm. like his coach gets fired. They're going to bring in a new guy. Like, there's a lot of question marks. He's a good quarterback. I think he has every right to leave. Like, JT Daniels, bro, like, no one wants you clearly at this point. Like, you got to give up at some point. Like, we can't do this every year. I was going to I was gonna counter when you said that, that maybe after your uh, first transfer, you get one freebie. You're good with that. But once you, you start, uh, you know, becoming a, a regular in the transfer portal, then you, you get hit with the, or you got to sit out a year. But it's that you make a good point with, you know, especially this year, we saw kind of a big whirlwind of coaches uh, getting gassed at pretty big programs like Frost at Nebraska, 
you know, Colorado job opens up, uh, Georgia Tech. So a lot of power five jobs opened up. So I do agree with you there that a kid shouldn't be penalized that a coach that they committed to, um, you know, when they were uh, a 17 year old in high school, they shouldn't be penalized. But if you start going uh, university to university, then it's that becomes a real big issue. And a guy like that would also be hit with that is Phil Dracovic. This is his uh, his second transfer transferred from Notre Dame to B.C. Now going B.C. to Pitt. Um, which is weird. I, I just. So it's a very lateral move. I, I think I thought Dracovic would have been a fit perfect for UConn. Not, I'm not even saying that as a UConn fan. It's just he's not the quarterback that I think a lot of us thought he was going into the, the 2022 season. I thought he was going to really light it up and have a pretty good season. He was banged up. And even before he wasn't hurt, he kind of underperformed. So. I don't know. It, it, moves like that are weird, but the, the transfer portal is getting pretty nuts. Um, and you're seeing guys even that are on playoff teams um, leaving. I think a couple of Michigan guys jumped in. I know a George D lineman recently jumped in the portal. So this is where it's really getting weird is you're seeing guys on elite teams leaving uh, at, at the kind of the peak of where they're at right now, you know, competing for a national championship. Yeah, it seems like some guys leave because they genuinely were promised something and weren't given, and other people leave because it seems like the easier thing to do rather than try to earn a starting spot. And I think, like, Spencer Sanders to me was a real weird one just because, like, thinking of him on a team other than Oklahoma State makes no sense. Like, I'm going to – like, next year is going to start, and I'm going to be like, oh, Oklahoma State, they got Spencer Sanders. And be like, wait, no, they don't have Spencer Sanders. Like, that's a weird one to me. Uh, Like – him, I guess, uh, no one, I guess Devin Leary would also kind of fit that where, you know, he got hurt this year and, you know, he, he didn't turn into the NFL prospect that people were thinking. So to me, he feels like an NC state guy. They seem to develop quarterbacks very well over the years, but at the same time, if he doesn't think he can upgrade his draft stock there, he's going to leave. And it's weird. I, I don't know the numbers on this, but I feel like this also has to hurt high school guys because, you know, they're signing to it. Like, you know, say you sign to Pitt or, or I guess Pitt's not a great example. It's Slovis already, but you sign somewhere and then it's like, oh, never mind. Like Spencer Sanders is transferring here. So I'm going to have to wait another year and, and all that. So I feel like this also trickles down to the high school level where these recruits aren't really sure what's going on. So it's kind of a very messy situation because unlike NFL free agency, there are hundreds of schools you can go to. It's not just a list of 32 teams. There's a lot of different options for each and every kid. And I think it's good to get a new opportunity. I'm that's the thing. I'm very like everything about me. I'm very pro player, no matter the sport. So I, I think if coaches are allowed to do whatever the hell they want, I think players should also be able to. But I also think there is a craziness to this that I guess was foreseen, but now we're really seeing it. And I, I just don't know what the NCAA is going to be able to do because they've lost so much power in this whole process. So it's definitely become a, a real madhouse. So I got five of the bigger name guys that jumped in the portal. I, I kind of want to see what your thought process where they'll end up with starting with uh, Devin Leary. Oh man. It's kind of shocked me. That kind of surprised me. I know. I'm trying to think of where uh, Devin Leary would fit. I feel like he's got to go to a place that does no Bo Nix. Does he, is he another year at Oregon? I believe so. Okay. I was going to say, I could see him going to like Oregon putting up some crazy numbers. Oh man. It's tough. Cause all these moving pieces, like, I don't know what kind of school would he want to go to, which 
needs a quarterback but is also kind of ready to compete. I can't think of any. Like, do you have any ideas off the top of your head? Because I'm just trying to think of, like, what openings there are at this point. I think Leary could be a good fit at, honestly, Notre Dame. Wouldn't be a bad fit for him. They've been a big team that's kind of poached the transfer portal for QBs. I also wouldn't hate him going to Wisconsin, especially with the addition of – I did think about Wisconsin. That'd be a a legitimate Russell Wilson move. And then uh, – State to Wisconsin to the draft. Another one that is really – like is – I'm very excited to see where this guy goes because he played so bad this year is DJU because he feels like a – a lock at Notre Dame or a, a lock at Oregon, but with Bo Nix coming back for another year, I don't know where he kind of ends up. I think maybe USC. Yeah, I, I think USC could be an option for sure. I think I'm going to say this. I don't know who it's going to be. I think one of these names ends up at Oregon State. I don't know who it's going to be, but I feel like Oregon State's a team that's got a really good defense. Their offense struggled at times. They could use a really good quarterback. I think one of these guys ends up at Oregon State. I don't know if it's going to be one of the higher level guys or or if it's going to be like a Slovis or maybe like an Austin Reed. But I think Oregon State's going to land a good quarterback transfer. That's my Slovis, prediction. Slovis was the guy I had in mind. And then didn't JT Daniels, like he was close to committing to Oregon State before West Virginia. I think that was the rumor too. That could be. I, I lost like I'm lost in JT Daniels. Like he's gone so many places at this point. It's it's insane. Uh Oh, here's another team to definitely keep in in your mind is Florida because yeah, looks like Anthony Richardson going to the draft, so they they could definitely use a quarterback. Uh, Tennessee as well with Hooker gone. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think I mean maybe Milton's their answer, but I think they could use a, like there's a lot of teams that could use quarterbacks, so I understand it, but it's it's just going to be insane. I could see a guy like Hudson Card fitting in nice at Florida. Or like I I, agree. That, that would be, or even him going to like NC State would kind of be a, a good fit because uh, he's, he's a good player. He's just never gonna have the opportunity at Texas with Ewers now and then Arch Manning coming in. I saw people saying card to Houston, but that didn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, unless I'm unless I'm wrong, I know uh, uh, Clayton Toon was like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Oh, he was a senior, so unless he might have another year. But if he doesn't have another year, Houston could be an option for him to, like, just go there, sling it. Like, Austin Reed, too, I feel like he's going to go to one of these, like, group of five teams probably and just put up a lot of numbers. But it's really crazy. And, I mean, these are just the quarterbacks. I mean, there's dudes leaving. I forget the corner. One of the corners for, I think, Virginia Tech is one of the better prospects. He's transferring. Like, there's a lot of dudes in the portal right now. And it's getting it's getting pretty nuts. Yeah. One, one oh, of the uh, Brandon Armstrong too from Virginia oh, was another one forgot, that, that yeah. comes to mind. I I was like, I wouldn't hate if Syracuse took a stab at him. Garrett Schrader looks like he's coming back, but he had his biggest year with Robert and I, the offensive coordinator at Syracuse, and Jason Beck, the quarterback coach. I wouldn't hate bringing Armstrong in. Having a little quarterback competition between Schrader and Armstrong may the best man win because he's thrived in that offense before. He took a huge step back when they changed coaches, but I wouldn't hate if Syracuse maybe took a stab at Armstrong. Yeah, that that's not bad. But uh, one of the guys that didn't transfer, not going to the draft, Michael Penix, coming back. Right. Washington, that's exciting. That that is an exciting thing because he was so electric this year. Yeah, Michael Penix back. Also looks like Drake May is going to stay at UNC. So some of these guys do, and I will say this: like a Penix, I know he transferred once, so it's a, a little bit different. But like Drake May, like that's how you become a legend on a campus because if you're transferring everywhere, you're not going to get that same love. But like. 
if Drake May stays at UNC until he goes to the draft, he's going to be a legend there. I think Penix is going to become a legend at Washington, even though he started at Indiana. Like, if you stay at a program, you're going to gain that kind of added respect. Definitely. Um, but we'll move to our final thing on the schedule, and that is our picks. Quick update. Diaz is now 23-13. and 13. I am 18-17-1. So we're going to need a miracle. And how we're going to do this is we're just going to make one pick on the Army-Navy game. We're going to do three bowl games next week. The week after that, we're going to do three bowl games and also have to make a pick on both semifinals games. And then we're all going to have to make a pick on the national championship. So 10 games remain. I've still got a chance. Uh, Hop is 12 and 18. So he's, he's out of it, but he did have a good week. So if you want to never say Hop, never, never say he did never. go two and one last week. Uh, he's given us the under in this game. I'll, I'll throw to Liam first. Uh, I know you're not going to make a pick, but army Navy, Navy minus two and a half over under 32 and a half. Do you have any thoughts on, on the army Navy game? Diaz kind of stole my thunder earlier uh, with his beautiful description of all the, the festivities and goings on of the army Navy game. But to me, it's actually one of the few games a year that I don't bet I'm betting on these military teams all year. And uh, so I'm sure like you've to, loved army all year. I, I love army and Navy typically when, when, when I can get points down on either of them, not, not the biggest air force guy, but you know, it is what it is. I Citadel even wants this year for, if we're counting them, but I, uh, I, I just got to say, it's just one of my favorite games of the year to watch because you just don't see gritty football like it anymore. And what makes it even better is what you guys said. There's absolutely nothing for either of these teams to play for but pride here. It's a it's a four-win team against a five-win team. No bowl eligibility. I think it would be kind of funny, actually, if one of them came out throwing. Just very excited for this game just because you know exactly what you're going to get. I don't want to bet an over. I don't want to bet an under. I just want it to be what it is. Uh, most people would say, Hey, over's fun here, but I think a, a very low scoring game could be awesome. Maybe, a, maybe oh, yeah. like a, a 25 yard field goal to win it. And no one knows if it's going in. That's, that's my favorite kind of shit. So that's all I have. Awesome game. And, uh, I'm going to probably edit half my take there. So I usually roll with, I usually root for army in this game, but I'm going to take Navy minus two and a half. Um, I, the one thing I look at is obviously these teams are very similar. They're on the same offenses. It's so hard to pick, but Navy has been considerably, considerably better uh, at stopping the run. They're only allowing 86 yards per game. Army is allowing 194 on the ground. I know they're similar styles, so it could be completely different. It's not traditional running the ball, but I think Navy bounces back here. I mean, they're the four win team and they're still favored by two and a half. That kind of tells me something too. So I'm going to take Navy minus two and a half and this is a pick that I'm again it's it's hard like Liam said like I don't even really want to throw real money on it but since I have to make a pick on the game give me Navy minus two and a half do we have hops pick yeah hop is going under 32 and a half which I like I, I this is the one game where the under is fun because it's just run the ball see what happens like that that's fun to me all right, I am. Well, we're this is setting up for a possible nice end of the season race to the finale for for you and I, Luke, at the top of the uh, the gambling boards. For is it Saturday yet? I am taking Army plus two and a half. Last week the line was, I believe it actually Army minus one and a half. I had it then. I'm taking them now as underdogs. Everything about it is point in Army. And by everything, I mean, I've seen them play once against UConn, and they looked really, really good. So I am riding with uh, the Black Knights from West Point, New York. 
uh, you know, go Army. And just for integrity purposes, I did text Liam my pick well before Diaz texted the group chat, although I instructed him to text Liam's pick. Um, so we'll, we'll be throwing our picks to Liam before. So I'm, I can't play defense or I can't play offense. Diaz can't play defense. This is going to be a good old fashioned, uh, you know, give our best picks and, and see what happens. So it'll be a, that that's added interest. Army Navy. We, we don't even need added interest. It's such a fun game, but I'll be taking Navy. Diaz will be on Army. Liam will be there for the vibes and Hop will be there for the under. So it'll be a fun game on Saturday. We'll be back next week. Of course, we'll talk about some bowl games. We've got a full slate of bowl games coming up. Of course, national championship college football playoff semis just around the corner as well. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Luke Owens. He's Andrew Diaz, Liam Smith, and also a great appearance from Bryce Hopwood. We'll talk to you guys next week right here on Is It Saturday Yet? Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> podcast presented by Student Union Sports.